What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve-O Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact, every bite is better with Pepsi. From Variety, I'm Michael Schneider. Nina Dobrev isn't about to be pigeonholed in Hollywood. You may still know her best for her six-season run as Elena, as well as vampire doppelganger Catherine on the CW's The Vampire Diaries. But the actress, writer, producer, and director has done a lot more since then, including her current CBS sitcom, Fam. Dobrev has more ambition, including her own premium drama, like one of her favorite TV series ever, HBO's Big Little Lies. It was a, a perfect episode yeah. all around. I mean, everything got wrapped up. All the answers got questions. Uh, all the questions got answered. All of the characters found resolve, other than Perry. But right. that's okay. I don't want him to have resolve. Yeah. Uh, that finale episode of the limited series was so powerful, especially because of the the journey that all these characters have, had gone on up until this point. It was just cinematically so beautiful and it was just very powerful on this edition of the podcast we talked to nina dobrev about her favorite episode of tv ever the season one finale of big little lies as well as how she's trying something completely different with a multi-camera comedy as we dig into what promises to be a busy 2019 for the star it's my favorite episode Based on the best-selling book by Leanne Moriarty, Big Little Lies was adapted into a limited series in 2017 by famed TV writer David E. Kelly and director Jean-Marc Vallée. Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, and Shailene Woodley start as mothers in the Monterey Bay area who became embroiled in a murder investigation. Alexander Skarsgård, Laura Dern, Adam Scott, and Zoe Kravitz also star. Big Little Lies was meant to be a limited series, but was such a phenomenon, winning eight Emmy Awards along the way, that it's now set to return for a second season later this year. When Nina Dobrev stopped by Variety to discuss her new CBS sitcom, Fam, we asked her first to name her favorite episode of TV ever, and she came back with You Get What You Need, which first aired on April 2, 2017. You came back with a great one. I mean, who didn't love Big Little Lies? I mean, that Ugh. was such a great limited series on HBO. And uh, I cannot wait for the next season. Yeah, and it'll be here before we know it. Uh, and, and But uh, the, the end of that first season... That kind of perfectly wrapped up everything that that show was leading up to, the mystery of what happened and who died. and uh, Yeah, so spoiler alert. Exactly. Well, hopefully people have seen it by now. But, I would hope so, yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you haven't watched Big Little Lies, please... I mean, I don't want to tell people to turn the podcast hit, hit off. Hit pause. But... <laughs> go, go quickly watch seven episodes and, and come back in a few days. And, and finish this. Yeah. <laughs> but... It's 
Uh, that finale episode of the limited series was so powerful, especially because of the the journey that all these characters have, had gone on up until this point. And it was the dance and the, the charity event that they were at. And all the women were um, were together. And even though they seemed like like they were close, but yet also had their differences and maybe didn't all get along when faced with adversity and in this situation where I don't remember his character's name. I don't remember any of their character names, but Alexander Skarsgård's character. Yeah, yeah, Perry. Perry. Yeah. When Perry um, starts to have an altercation with his wife, played by Nicole Kidman, and the women are there and go to defend her, and they all get caught up in the crossfire, and it starts to get really ugly, especially the filmmaking, the way they, they cut that together and shot it with the waves that crash every time yeah. someone got hit. It would, cut, it would cut to a wave. It was just cinematically so beautiful, and the the it was just very powerful. But what you didn't expect was the one woman who probably, I, I mean, I didn't see Zoe Kravitz's character Again, what's her name? I don't yeah. even know her name. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember too. I'm it's... a fan, but I'm a bad, bad fan, obviously. Bonnie. Bonnie. Yeah. yeah, Bonnie. I did not. I have not read the books. I just watched the show. Yeah, so Bonnie so, rushes in and pushes and... Perry down the stairs when she sees him starting to to, to beat up uh, Nicole. Kidman's not character. beat up. I, I mean, in my opinion, the way the fight was going, he was about to kill her. Yeah, and or one of the other women, and and she not only. I think it, there's a lot of debate online as to whether or not it was murder or self-defense. Like, I think it was self-defense because yeah. somebody was going to die. He was going to kill one of them, and she saved them. Yeah, because he had gotten to the point where you know he he had uh, you know been been brutalizing her for so long. You knew it was going to end with him, you know, potentially killing her. Right, and he had already raped Shailene Woodley's character. Yeah, yeah, which was another big reveal. Which is crazy. And then, you know, of course, you know, her, her uh, Ziggy, who it turns out is the, the son of, of, of Alexander yeah. Skarsgård. Uh, but so throughout the season, you know, he's been accused of uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, harassing a girl in school. And it turns out that, no, it's another one. It's it's one of Perry's sons who had seen his Perry father. Perry abused his mother. Yeah. Uh, and, Perry abused. Yeah. Perry yeah. abused Nicole Kidman. And, and obviously had played it out in real time and the impact of seeing his dad being abusive. And it all made kinda, him abusive. Yeah. So it all came to a head in this episode. There's so much going on in this episode. And of course, like all the Elvis impersonations and mm. it's which is is just sort of an interesting touch uh, at this this yeah this event i mean i think that it was the it was a, a perfect episode yeah. all around i mean everything got wrapped up all the answers got question uh, all the questions got answered all of the characters found resolve other than perry Right, but right. that's okay. We and don't that, want him to have resolve. Yeah, and, and that's where they kind of left things a little bit hanging, in that you had the investigator sort of months later watching the women on the beach and and just sort of going through the motions normally, but the investigator still has questions, obviously. Right. And I suppose that's what's going to lead into season two. Yeah, it'll probably be a big trial as to whether or not she gets convicted of manslaughter or. Or self-defense. Yeah, yeah. Is what I would assume. 
And what's interesting about season two is, is so there were there obviously season one was based on a book and there was no book, no, no sequel. So that's where the big question was whether or not there was going to be a season two, what, what it would be about. I mean, when you think about it, other television shows don't have, I mean, the, the, there's, it'll be, I wonder if they're consulting the writer to get yeah. story ideas and to see what her vision was or if they're just making it up. Yeah, and think, making an original idea, but on their own without the writer's influence. From what I understand, she she kind of wrote out a, a outline of where she wanted to go with the story. Oh, from interesting, there. cool. Yeah, and by the way, interesting about this this uh, the show. So uh, uh, Jean Marc Vallée, of course, was the director, but David E. Kelly as the writer, mm-hmm. and this was such a like darker, more intense show. Than we're used to from David E. Kelly, of course, of Ally McBeal and The mm. Practice and Boston Legal and, and those kind of shows, much more broadcast network pedigree. And uh, there's part of me that was like, I didn't know he had it in him to, to do this like dark, deep, premium cable show. Well, let me, um, let me, so I, I mean, I guess that's kind of what we're all fighting all the time, right? I mean, just because somebody's known to do one thing doesn't yeah. mean that they don't have it in them to do everything. I, in fact, I would go as far as to say that everyone does have it yeah. in their wheelhouse to achieve anything that they want to. It's just whether they're given the opportunity or somebody believes them enough to give them the opportunity. But um, if I told you how many vampire scripts I get offered... Oh. Yeah. You would laugh. <laughs> but all I want to do at some point, like, I, of course, at some point I want to tackle, I want to do an HBO show. I want to do a premium cable. Yeah. I'd love to do a period piece. And um, I, I want to be a chameleon in that way. Yeah. And um, you, just like you didn't think that he would have had it in him to do that. Like the comedy. I'm that, doing a straight comedy right. in front of a live audience. Nobody probably thought that I would ever do that either. But it's just, whether you're given the um, the opportunity to showcase that side of you, you know? true, and that that is such a Hollywood thing, and I I find yeah you know, I fall into that uh, trap as Everybody well. Everybody does it. I to, do it too. I mean, yeah. I, I'm writing right now. I'm writing things like I wrote a, a script, and I'm producing other movies. And even as a producer, and and as somebody who's frustrated by this fact, I still if if we, when we're talking about casting ideas for the films I'm producing, if somebody brings somebody up that I don't think is right for the role i'll be like what no but they just did that they that's not that's not what they would do they would never say yes and then i have to remind myself maybe because they don't they aren't known for this genre or this kind of a character maybe that will make them will definitely get them because they want to do something that they're not often seen as or that an opportunity they haven't gotten to showcase at this point point. and honestly I, I sometimes find that fun when you find when you have someone who's known for drama suddenly is doing a comedy and you're mm-hmm. like oh wow that that's kind of cool because that's different like, or, yeah, like when adam sandler did click remember yeah it was a super serious movie you're like what well, i didn't this doesn't make sense how is this gonna work and then i watched it and i thought he was great and then same with um uh steve carell yeah he flip-flops back and forth between genres. And there was one more example that I had a moment ago that was that stood out to me. I'll, I'll think yeah, of it. Yeah, you're starting to see more of that. I mean, Jim Carrey, another good example. Right. You know, he's, he's really dark and kidding, the show that he's on right now. I so. haven't seen it. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's he, he plays a, a father who lost his kid, and, and he's 
you know, sort of tortured and, and uh, real dramatic role. But it's kind of fun when you see someone mm. who you think of as one thing doing another thing. So, exactly. And that's kind of what you're doing, obviously, with, with FAM. And that's, I strive to do that with every project. Yeah. I try to, if I can. As, as soon as I tackle one thing and off the bucket list, I try to move on to the next one that will that'll be different as well. Yeah. It's fun that way. You know, and one other thing I wanted to mention about uh, Big Little Lies mm-hmm. is that, you know, that, that show aired in early 2017, and it was sort of right before Me Too and Time's Up and, and all of that. It almost sort of prefaced, you know, this the story of these powerful women mm-hmm. who, you know, uh, find their voice and, and manage to, uh, you know, be emboldened in, in the face of, of what's going on, especially with Andrew Skarsgård's character. Yes. And and so in, in some ways it was the perfect... Alex, Alex Skarsgård. Yeah, Alex Skarsgård, sorry. It's Too many Skarsgårds. There are many uh, yeah. of them, yes. Um, but, uh, but the perfect show in some ways for 2017, for, for last year and, and the movement that we've seen. Absolutely, and that that's one of the reasons why the finale stood out to me as much as it did is that the women really supported one another and yeah. their friendship and this and all of them together they were stronger together something that nicole kidman's character maybe she's had many opportunities to leave him and to do things when she was on her own she wasn't she didn't have the strength to do that but together they had the strength to overcome this adversity and 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 defeat this bigger sort of seemingly bigger scarier villain yeah. and that bond and that womanhood is, is something that is really strong and what I don't understand is why my own daughter wouldn't come to me first I couldn't talk to my mom about birth control really? if I were you I would just let it go I would with Bonnie Abigail I'd ride it out no I love my grudges I tend to them like little pets alright I'm just saying I do the same thing I'm not into forgiveness either really who do you not forgive? no one just in general yeah. Never forgive, never forget. It's so great that we're seeing it translated on film and in life and and that it was right before the movement, but it, it, it was it, it was the timing could not have been better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that must be the kind of show that as a performer you're watching. You mentioned like you'd love to do a premium cable show. Like you have like a lot of ambition on different things. When you're mm-hmm. watching it, you're like damn, I wish I could be be in this show. Like, oh, this, it's this a great show. Fun. Yeah, it would have been really fun. Um, I remember reading about it in the trades when, and the cast is so fantastic. Everyone in the show does such a beautiful job. It's, yeah, that's at some point, maybe, yeah. maybe a show like that. Anything else that you're enjoying right now? Do you have time to, to watch TV, catch films, or is it... Uh... I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately. Um... What the health I just watched. I watched Stink. I watched um, Making a Murderer. Mm, yeah. Sharp Objects as well. It's not a documentary, but um, Making a Murderer season two blew my mind. Yeah. I can't believe that's happening still. And that the Supreme Court wouldn't let. Wouldn't, wouldn't hear the case. Yeah. 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 So. I was pretty enraged. Yeah. Yeah. No, so but they wouldn't even hear him out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. It's a whole, whole it's a very, yeah. Brendan Dassey, like, yeah. Favorite episode that you've been in? Is there one that you still go back to? Uh, you know, it could be Vampire Diaries, it could be on FAM, could be anything. But um, 
Is there something that kind of has stuck with you over the years? I've done a few shows, and yeah. in the one in particular, I did six seasons. Yeah, that's so a lot of episodes. A lot of, 22 times six. That's, that's a, lot, a lot to filter through in my brain right now. So Yeah, that is a lot. I mean, my, my, you know what? My first instinct, and I've said this before in other interviews, is, is um, to go – actually, there's two. They really do blend in yeah. to one long six-year episode. Um, but Lost Girls was one of them in which we flash back into uh, 1864, I believe, and we meet Catherine for the first time in period in the, in, in the period peace times. Um, and that was really fun to shoot and also a really fun character introduction to make. I loved playing that role, and mm-hmm. so it was. It was, um, and I loved doing period pieces and, and going back in time. It was a real, a real treat. And then another one was the episode. This is going to sound morbid. It's favorite is a bad word to use when you're describing an episode in which your parents die. Right. But um, we got to shoot that underwater in in a, a tank, like this giant facility, and made it look like a swamp. And we just our car had crashed over a bridge and. Shooting that scene was really beautiful and impactful and sad, and um, but the experience of shooting underwater was. I love doing stunts and I love doing that kind of stuff, and um, it was emotion having to be emotional and really like get that across underwater with all these circumstances was was um, interesting yeah. and cool. In a moment, Nina Dobrev on whether she still fans out while working with her idols and how her new sitcom fam tested her comfort zone. From Variety, this is my favorite episode. This is Daniel Holloway. Join me every Friday for TV Take, Variety's podcast about the television business. In every episode, we feature interviews with stars and showrunners from today's hit shows, as well as conversations with Variety journalists about the key TV headlines of the day. Subscribe or download the TV Take wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. It's my favorite episode. I'm Michael Schneider. And Nita Dobrev is our guest. She's currently on the freshman CBS comedy Fam, where she stars as Clem, a young woman recently engaged to her boyfriend Nick, played by Tone Bell. Their life gets more complicated, however, when Clem's rebellious teenage sister comes to live with them. Our first dance. Ooh, you know what's gonna make our first dance really special is when I do this. Can I get a beat? Ooh. Ooh. That's not really a beat, but I dance to it anyway. Yeah. Solid abs, kid. Ah! Hey, sis. Shannon, what are you doing here? I picked the lock and now I'm eating your leftover spaghetti. Or pad thai. Whatever it is, it's not very good. How did you even get in the building? I snuck in behind some old blind lady with a cane. Didn't even know I was in the elevator with her. <laughs> it was like a horror movie. <laughs> is this your sister? Half-sister. You got any hot sauce or, like, a burrito? Well, Shannon, it's great to meet you. Hot sauce is on the stove. I'll be right back because your boy's naked. <laughs> Ooh, speaking of hot sauce, who's that? He's my fiancé. Raised in Canada, Nina Dobrev started performing at a very young age, eventually landing a role on the iconic Canadian teen series Degrassi, The Next Generation. 
She's been on countless TV series and films since then, such as The Perks of Being a Wallflower and Then Came You. Fans, however, still know her best from The Vampire Diaries. But Dobrev admits that she can still be a fan as well. I've just had to train myself to play it cool. Yeah. Because I find myself hanging out with a lot of people that I was a f- massive fan of when I was a kid. And I'm friends with them now. Yeah. And I've never told them that I was a fan as a kid. Yeah. Like, like who? I can't tell can't you because then it'll become a thing and then it'll be weird for the yeah. person. But um, yeah, there have been people that I've encountered over the years that maybe like were posters on my bedroom yeah. wall that are now my homies. <laughs> and, and suddenly like you're working with them or you've gotten yeah. to know them. Like, yeah. So, but it sounds like you play it cool. So you've, you've, you've haven't been the kind of person that's like, Oh my God, like in episode three of season two of this show. I mean, I, um, I mean, I guess like Millie Bobby Brown is one, for example, that yes, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with, with stranger things. I think yeah. it's such a great show and she's, so talented and so good in it and i've seen her at events and different things over the last couple of years and i wouldn't say we're like homies and best friends we don't hang out on the weekends she she's what 14 now yeah and yeah. lives in atlanta but um but she's very sweet and it's a different kind of but i have i definitely yeah. have an appreciation for her work yeah. she's really talented yeah so that's one of the benefits of of doing what you do is is to meet some of your idols sometimes like it's it's uh you know positive sometimes they say maybe you don't want to meet your idols they do say that and i can see why i think it's because a lot of the time when you see someone on television and you're obsessed with them you're really seeing a character they've created who's a perfect version of themselves and even if they're flawed they're you've you've grown to accept that character's flaws because you understand where they're coming from Mm -hmm. and then when you meet the person they are no longer playing that role and then humans are even more flawed real people are even more flawed and and maybe don't have patience or maybe will do something that's out of character or whatever that character was that you love them for and that can be disappointing yeah yeah the the question of the hour that that you've been getting all day, I'm sure, is half hour multi camera mm-hmm. studio audience sitcom. Yes, that's different. Very different. Um, I don't know how much people know about this. I mean, I I knew that Friends, for example, which was one of my favorite shows growing up, um, was a sitcom, but I don't think. I understood what that meant necessarily. Yeah. I always watched the show as a fan and I never really dissected it and thought of and watched it critically and, and with, with an eye as to how they made it. So I didn't re I had no idea that it was shot in front of a live audience. I had no idea that friends was, um, that they shoot with four cameras and that you only do multiple, like a few takes and you're done you move on and you basically shoot a, a mini play yeah. every week so when I the opportunity presented itself to me, I was both intrigued, curious, terrified, and ultimately excited because this would be a new challenge for me in a new medium and straight comedy, physical comedy. I've always wanted to do theater, and this felt like a natural next step to achieving that goal. Yeah, I just I saw a story since you've been doing this press tour. I think it was mm-hmm. either today or yesterday, where, where one of these sites said that uh, you said you felt like you had a little bit of a not life challenge, like a life crisis, but but maybe a moment where you weren't quite sure what to do 
next after Vampire Diaries. That's so funny how you do interviews and (laughs) your words get twisted. Um, I didn't necessarily have a life crisis. Mm -hmm. I just, it's... You're too young to have a midlife crisis. No, it's it's just a, it's a life change, you know? When you're, it's, it's different. And the only thing that you can rely on in life is change. I mean, that's the only um, thing that's guaranteed is that everything will change. And when you do create your little, the things that you love or the things that you, what is the word I'm looking for? (laughs) Routine. Routine is the word. So um, leaving the nest and seeking other opportunities is both exciting but scary and that's how I kind of look at everything and as soon as I feel like something isn't challenging me or isn't is becoming too much of routine I need to break it for my own growth and creativity and drive Um, so of course that feeling is scary but that feeling also motivates me to achieve success and or strive for success, I should say, in hopes that I achieve it. And um, and this was one of those um, examples. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's... I mean, it's fight, it, it's fight or flight, right? Is that the expression? Yeah, yeah. You you sort of you might sink or swim in this kind of an opportunity, and it wasn't guaranteed either way. But um, I went to the mom set. Chuck Lorre gave me some some words of advice and the Big Bang Theory set and Last Man Standing and everybody. Oh, wow. You did your homework. I had never been on a sitcom set in my entire life. I didn't even know that they shot with four cameras. Like I was very optimistically unprepared. And I, in order to, I I don't like being unprepared. So I did my research before stepping onto my own show where I was the lead of a show. Like you, as a leader of a show, you need to, I think you need to be a good example and set a good example and a good tone and nobody wants their leader to be terrified. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, you're number one on the call sheet. They're looking at you. <laughs> set the tone. Yeah. And to be safe, I, I mean, to be, to be honest, I was still, despite the preparation and the research and visiting all the sets and talking to everybody was still out of my element in many ways, but I was really, really lucky because Tone Bell, who had done many, many sitcoms before, was very supportive, and he um, has held my hand and helped me throughout this whole process, and I'm so lucky to have Brian Stokes Mitchell and Cheryl Lee Ralph, who were veterans and connoisseurs of the sitcom world and incredibly talented. I really was surrounded by a lot of amazing people, and together we, we... weren't just an on-screen family we really became an off-screen family yeah. as well yeah and you got, got gary cole sort of like oh, lurking in a, the background he's like genius i love it's funny because on the show my character hates him hates her father so much and in real life i love gary cole so much he's yeah. hilarious and amazing and fantastic so when you were doing your research, hitting these different shows, uh, did you uh, talk to the performers as well? You mentioned Chuck Lorre, but then what about, uh, you know, did you get some advice from some of the, some of the folks who'd been doing those shows for a while too? And, and what did they tell you? Yes and no, mainly because I've been on set a lot and that's my work time. That's, that's my office job in a yeah. way. And I, like, you don't have people poking in and out of your office and bugging you when you're trying to be productive. And so I never want to be a nuisance on set. I kind of, I got, I was honored to get to watch Alice and Jenny 
perform yeah. a week after she won her Oscar on set, on the set of Mom. And but I wasn't going to go up and bug her and ask for a photo or like hello yeah. national treasure Allison Janney she's Can you amazing <laughs> yeah I mean that would have been lovely and I'm sure she would have been um she would have been sweet and and talked to me but I didn't want to I didn't want to bug her yeah yeah did you uh one of the things I I enjoyed uh sort of watching from afar talking to Julie Pleck over the years was your relationship with her and mm-hmm. and how important that was for both of you when when you left Vampire Diaries. It wasn't just a normal departure of a star. It was it was a big moment, and it was a big deal for you, big deal for Julie, obviously. And you both sort of handled it, uh, you know, in in a, a very sort of deep way. And it was a big deal for both of you. And and there was something about that bond that was fascinating. Uh, you know, there's not always a bond between showrunner and and star, but there there was one there. Um, Talk about that, and did did you approach? Did did you talk to Julie at all about this too? About uh, sort of your your life choices and what you wanted to do next? Since then, or, or at the time? At the time, and then also since then. Um, well, and you're right. We do have a great bond. I mean, we, if we didn't, we wouldn't be neighbors in two different states. Yeah, we, we literally live across the street from each other. Oh, that's funny. In LA, and in the same, we own places in the same area. Yeah. In, Atlanta as well. She and I were always pretty open and honest with each other. And she knew that um, from the beginning, I had an idea of what my character and journey would be. It was a conversation that we that we had had and kind of knew about. It wasn't as big of a surprise for us as it was for the fans of the show and the rest of the world. But um, I think that when you care about a person, you want them to achieve their goals and and become whatever version of themselves that they want to be. And she's supportive of me in that way. And I thought the show was incredible and I was incredibly grateful for it. And unbelievably grateful for her understanding and Kevin's support and his understanding and just everybody at a certain point you have to say goodbye and and it's it's always a sad day but it's bittersweet I miss the family every day but um that was the that was what we had talked about from the beginning yeah yeah so and uh you know obviously the the fans uh still are desperate to see you again. And uh, I, I know another thing that uh, you made headlines in the other day is uh, you told TVGuide.com that uh, it's not right to go back to, to, to go to Legends. Obviously, you have a full-time job on FAM. So it sounds like that's... It's not right, I said? It's not right to or go it's back? Not, no, it's not possible because you've got a day job and it's it's not in the cards right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, on this new show, I don't yeah. know how schedule-wise that would be possible. Yeah. So, so no, no plans right now to uh, re- revisit Elena. Not so. that I'm aware of. The fans, they care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the best way to put it is. Cause they're, they're, the best way to put it is that they're unbelievably passionate and they're passionate, amazing. Yeah. And if it wasn't for them, the show wouldn't have been successful if they hadn't been watching and they weren't vocal and excited. And we, we made the show for them. And that's why we, that's, we owe all of our success to the fans. And that's the same reason... That I mean, if I guess if I were to say anything, I would hope that they would all 
tune in and watch the new show if they want to keep supporting. And I hope that they do. Yeah. Because I think that they'll like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's different, but it's really fun. And um, I think they'll like it as much as I enjoyed making it. How would you say your relationship is with the fans? Uh, you're on social media. you So you have some interaction with them. Is that... What's that? What's that like? I mean, is that uh, you know, obviously rewarding, but at the same time, the fans are passionate, and sometimes you got to tune it out, right? I mean, it's it's a you know a complicated relationship. I got to imagine. I have been pretty fortunate um, because, for the most part, they're really positive and supportive and amazing. Obviously, every now and then there's going to be somebody who's not as positive, but I try to not let those things kind of get to me Yeah. and, or try not to read the comments or things that it's just too much of a flight risk. <laughs> so tell me about the experience on set. So what was that transition like to taping a show in front of an audience, uh, you know, doing a different kind of performance, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, playing to the laughs and, uh, and of course the schedule, which everyone tells me after doing single camera for years, the, the multi-camera schedule is amazing. Comparatively. Absolutely. Yes. Um, the schedule is amazing because I mean, you, you rehearse all week, you get a new script every week. So it's like getting handed a play on Monday. And then by Friday night, you perform the play live in front of people and, the show night itself is just a few hours because you only do a few takes of every of every scene, and you shoot in chronological order, which is also a treat. Yeah, because um, you do it from the beginning until the end, and it feels like the story has a through line, and you can see it through. Um, but it it is very different, and it was a challenge to adapt to the differences. I mean, for one tiny little thing that people probably won't understand or know in film and television in single cam specifically the scene numbers are one two three four number they're they're numbers in multicam it's a b c d cold open um tag there's like weird names for things so that took me a while to figure out and like read a call sheet i eventually gave up and was just like just tell me what's next yeah. <laughs> like i don't know i can't figure these out um and then in other ways it was different like you you mentioned the laughter and having to hold for laughter because it is a live audience and there's a lot of punchlines the audience laughs and in our case laughs very very loud and hard and that's a great sign and we're very grateful for it but the, in the the first the pilot when I was shooting I didn't know not that I didn't know that, that was going to happen I it takes a little while to figure out when to come back in how long to wait for the laughter do you cut them off so that you can continue the scene or do you wait for it to die down and then you go back in and um it was strange yeah but by the end of it I got into a groove and I feel like I figured it out yeah and how many shows uh episodes you taped all 13 already we or? taped all 13 yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, we just wrapped a few weeks ago, so we're, we're getting them out immediately. Yeah, yeah, which is exciting. So, and and now, yeah, that's kind of the the waiting period. But um, by by the end, did you feel like how did the the show evolve? How did your character evolve? What's uh... I definitely felt like we found our characters throughout the season. Um, the writers don't necessarily also know where things are going to go, or it's a ever evolving process, and even to the point where. 
we'll rehearse all week and we'll plan certain things, but the lines will change every night. Like we get a brand new script every single night based on how the day went. And on tape night, we'll do the scene and then they'll come in and fly in new jokes and new lines. And you just sort of have to adapt in the moment, absorb the lines and spit them out and hope that the jokes land, which is another scary feeling. But somehow because of the adrenaline and the pressure in the moment, it usually worked out, yeah, which was really nice. And now that you've done it for thirteen episodes, I mean, you feel like you, you've got this. You, you get you got the rhythm now. You, uh, I you, definitely you... feel like I have the rhythm more than I did before, and was sad that we were rapping because I, by that point, was like, "Now wait, I'm in the groove now." Yeah. You're telling me we have to leave and wait and then come back later, maybe if the show does well. So. I had a good time. Yeah, yeah. Well, in success, you'll do 24, 25 next year, and that's that's a rarity in this day and age. 25? Really? Are you so, sure? If you're a huge hit, so keep your fingers crossed. We'll see. Final thoughts, uh, 2019. What are, you, uh, what are you excited for? I know you've got a couple, couple of things uh, in the can, uh, Beyond Fam. Uh, yeah. What's, 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 uh, what are you looking forward to uh, in the coming year? You know, we don't have dates for some of them, but um, uh, I shot a film in Toronto. Oh, I remembered what the example was, the transformations, the ones that you wouldn't expect of someone. Uh-huh. So uh, I shot a movie with Damien Lewis, who is best known for Billions and, and Homeland. Homeland. Yeah. yeah. Never in a million years would have thought to cast him as Mayor Rob Ford of Toronto. Right. And yet Damien... Put the fat suit on, the prosthetics. He um, studied the Canadian accent and his mannerisms. I was a, it was a little eerie how how spot on he yeah. was and how great he was for that role. But it wasn't it wasn't something that I ever would have imagined or um, thought. You know. The, yeah. the way you, what did you, you you were like a, you didn't know you, he had it in him like yeah. I knew he was talented but I didn't know whole other side whole other side yeah. like to the point where in Run This Town when we were shooting this one big pivotal scene he really sounded like pres- like a Mayor Rob Ford yeah. his accent was so spot on and he's British Damien is British yeah. I never heard him speak with a British accent he would speak like that in between setups as well even when we weren't shooting and then when we wrapped, it's almost like he did, forgot that we even like the, the production was completely wrapped, and yeah. he continued to talk like, like <laughs> Rob Ford. Took took a couple days to get it out. I, of him. I had to tell oh. him, I was like, you, you know, you, you can stop now. Like you can, I actually yeah. would like you to stop. <laughs> it's, it's, now it's just creepy. It's not yeah. that. I just wanted. I was like, what do you really sound like? I've never <laughs> heard your voice. Um, he was very talented and funny. Yeah. Um, That's great. And then. Uh, there's a I did a, a cool movie that I'm excited about called Lucky Day, and in that film, I had to speak French on camera, and then when I spoke English, I spoke English with a French accent, so that was another challenge. Yeah, it's more of a thriller kind of a thriller thriller comedy, if you will. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that that 
I have coming up that I'm excited about. That's great. So 2019, I mean, it's off to a big start, of course, with, with FAM, first on CBS. Mm-hmm. So yeah. looking forward to it. Well, Please you, tune in, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, they know a thing or two about multi-camera comedies on CBS. Yeah, so, so they've, think, they've, they've done one or two. Yeah, yeah you're right. So I think you're in okay shape. So. <laughs> well, thanks, Nina. Thanks for stopping by. And thank you. Uh, good luck with everything in 2019. You too, and right. thank you for having me. Thanks, Nina. Absolutely. That's it for this edition of My Favorite Episode. Join us again next time as we once again explore another guest pick. And be sure to subscribe to My Favorite Episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com for your daily fix of TV news, analysis, and reviews. I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you again next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.